Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 200. Imagination is more important than knowledge, and that's Albert Einstein. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today, I'm so excited to introduce my 200th guest here on Cars Yeah, a very special TV personality, Dennis Gage. Dennis, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Hey, let's ride. All right. It's so great to have you here. Thank you. Dennis Gage is the producer and host of the widely popular television show, My Classic Car. For 20 years, he's traveled around the globe sharing automobile collections, car shows, and more with us enthusiasts. His shows have been on TNN, Speed, and you can now see him on Velocity and MAV-TV networks. And he's enjoyed in over 90 million households. That is just amazing. Dennis is also the executive producer of the motorcycle television program, Trippin' on Two Wheels and Corbin's Ride On, (laughs) and the reality series Texas Hardtails, and the independent film Novum. So Dennis, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share some more about your history, your career, your interests, and of course, your incredible passion for automobiles? Well, uh, well, I started out as a child, <laughs> which, which, which I think is the best place to start. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I've got, a, I've got, a, I have a weird past, you know. I'm some bit of car guy my whole life, and, and that's, uh, that's really because you know I grew up in the I grew up in the '60s. I grew up in the in the muscle car era, where it, you know it was the first time youth had ever been marketed to by by the car companies, and and uh, I was young at the time, so in the '60s. If you weren't paying attention to cars, I mean, I don't know what you were paying attention to. Uh, <laughs> so there, there was certainly, uh, you know, it was just the right time. I don't know how you really avoided it. And I've been a car guy my whole life, but I've got, I've, I've had a very circuitous path to get me to the, to the past 20 years, actually, kind of yeah. weird. A, a long road to get to the last 20 years. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, for, for the last 20 years, I've been doing my classic car, which I would say 20 years, you know, it's like, it's about 19 and a half years more than I thought we would have we'd be doing when we did the first wow, few shows. it's just incredible. But it, but it just kept going. I'm just a small-town country boy, grew up on a family farm, and <laughs> and really, you know, it was very isolated. Our, our influences were very isolated. We had, you know, three TV stations back then, and there might be a car magazine around here and there, but it was, you know, you had limited input. So, so again, kind of the marketing of the big three and the muscle car thing had, had a big influence. 
but I was a, a farm boy that had a propensity for math and science, and I, you know, I went to college and I got a bachelor's degree in, in uh, chemistry and physics, and then I took a couple years off and I played with with bands and toured around. I played with people like Charlie Daniels and Waylon Jennings and stuff. Wow. And then when that was clearly going to shorten my life expectancy, <laughs> I decided to go to graduate school and I at the University of Idaho and got a PhD in chemistry. I always am like the most needlessly overeducated person in television. <laughs> you know, another one of these, it's like growing up in the muscle car, right place at the right time. I was at the right place at the right time out there. I was out there when Mount St. Helens erupted. Mm. I ended up doing my thesis research on the analysis. I was the guy that did the analysis of Mount St. Helens volcanic ash for its health implications. Wow. You know, that put me in good stead, and I went from there to a 10-year career at Procter & Gamble, where I was a, went as a pure scientist and then went into, you know, kind of uh, product development. Uh, I'm one of the developers of Pringles. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, the great urban legend is that that's me on the can. <laughs> So, are you going to give up the secret? Is that you on the? Well, I, what I always say is what I always say is that it's it's as with all urban legends, there is an element of truth to that, and, ah. and uh, I, I was on the brand, and you know, like most of the products that are out there today are still ones that I had a hand in in doing. Mm -hmm. But the logo, the handlebar mustachioed logo guy, actually predated me by quite a while. It was just fate that I looked like that and work on that brand. Wow. So in reality, I always tell people, I'm the product guy. So I'm not really on the can. I'm in the in can. In the can. Very uh, good. I'm in the can. <laughs> and then I did that. So after that, I ended up as a uh, director of product development at a Bristol-Myers Squibb company and did, you know, have you ever seen Boost Nutritional yes. Drink? That's that's product. I, that's one of my products. Wow. And you know, did that for, for five years and, and uh, really literally traveled the world, did a lot of stuff in Asia and in Europe. And I was a doctor, Dr. Gage. You know, as PhD scientist guy, but I had spent all this time practicing gamble. I knew a lot about marketing, so you know it was a weird combination. And I had this sort of roving ambassador position, and it was it was pretty cool. But I uh, I was kind of done with it. I was actually in Bangkok, Thailand, when I resigned. wasn't even sure how I was getting back to the United States. Oh my gosh! Um, but I had been dabbling with this car show, which had come about quite by accident. Chance meeting with the guy that ended up being my business partner for about fifteen years. And so, you know, I was having a, kind of a bad day in Bangkok, and I said, screw this, you know, I've, I, I'm uh, I'm done with this. And I went back, and I figured I could always, I, I would try this car show thing. I, I, I could always go back into corporate R&D. I got a great, you know, track record and all that. So I ended up, actually, I ended up uh, second mortgaging my house, really, to fund the uh, first season of the show. We did a pilot episode that took off like a rocket, and then series that turned into, theoretically, a three-year contract. And we shot the first season, but couldn't get the contract signed and, you know, the SBA loan, so I funded it. Turns out we almost didn't get the contract. Oh, goodness. And I would have had probably the most expensive home movies in the world and no home to watch oh, them. Oh, my goodness, yeah. But it all came through, and the show took off, and and the rest, as they say, is history. Is history. <laughs> so that's, that's a whirlwind tour of how I got here, and it is a weird, it's a very weird path. Well, it's an incredible path, and I'm so glad you shared that with us, because there's a whole side to you that perhaps a lot of your viewers, including me, until I read your bio, didn't know about you. So that's absolutely yeah. <laughs> fantastic. I love that. As we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote or a mantra, a saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a really great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? Dennis, I know you love to drive, so take the wheel. 
Hmm. Well, you know, gee whiz, you know, being a you know kind of a science nerd, Albert Einstein's always been a big fan of Albert Einstein. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, my my favorite quote of his, and I have it hanging a picture of picture of Big Al portrait of Al in my office. <laughs> and it, you know, my favorite quote of his is, "Imagination is more important than knowledge," and that's Albert Einstein. And now this is a guy who's probably arguably one of the most brilliant people in you know in history. One of the most knowledgeable one, one of the people who had the greatest breadth of, of knowledge of, of a lot of fields and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and still felt that imagination was even more powerful than that. And I and I think it is. I think that uh, you know, yeah, I have a PhD, but <laughs> I know I know a lot of people that that know a lot of things, but don't know how to weave any of it together to get anything done or have no. They, they lack imagination, right? And and so all that, not all the knowledge in the world will only take you so far if you don't, if you can't imagine, if you don't have imagination. And a lot of people think that if you gather, if you accumulate, you amass all this knowledge and a degree, a high degree, or something like that, that imagination comes along with it, and it just doesn't. It's a different animal. It's a completely different thing, right? And don't kid yourself. If, you know, just just because you're all, all something like a PhD is is a club card. You know, <laughs> I'm in the club. Yeah, that's really all it is. And I, and I know a lot of dumb people with PhDs, but imagination <laughs> is the important thing. You know what is incredible about today? Number one is that I get to talk to you, but number two is I had a guest on this morning, Adam Martin. He works with uh, Haggerty and the Peterson Automotive Museum, and he chose the same quote as you did. Oh, imagination is uh, more important. No, I was no kidding. Wow. Yeah. I kid it's you a, not. It's a favorite of mine. And I, I have, like I said, man, I have it in a portrait of Albert Einstein yeah. in my office. Yeah, it's just so bizarre that two guys have the same quote on the same day. Absolutely amazing. Oh. But I love that quote. I've heard that before, and I think it's marvelous, especially coming from a scientist, as you say, someone that you would think yeah. follows you know, facts more than imagination, but it is so true. Would you share with me a story that instigated your passion for cars? You talked about growing up in the wonderful 60s as I did as well around all these marvelous cars. Is there one pivotal moment you can remember in your life when you really knew that Dennis was a car guy? Uh, you know, I don't know that I can actually say that. Uh, uh, you know, I, I just think, I mean, I just have always liked cars and I always, they were something that captured my imagination. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that's what it, it is. I mean, my dad, uh, again, I mean, we were, you know, small family farm, you know, we didn't have a lot. Uh, but he was a fan of Buicks, and he had a you know fifty three special, fifty four special actually, and mm-hmm. and so that's the earliest car. I remember, he was always a Buick man and stuff like that. It was an interesting time for America, you know. I mean, we were still we were coming off the you know the win of World War II and the highs of the fifties, and then you know then sort of the turmoil and turmoil to a certain extent of the sixties, but also the awakening of youth, if you will. I mean, that that you know young people as a force and and and. An awful lot of the attention was focused at the youth of America, and they, they got a lot of the spotlight. Right. And cars were a part of that. And my first car, I bought at 15. You know, I didn't, even, I didn't have a license. Uh, <laughs> my first motorcycle, I bought at 12. Uh, cool. You know, but you could, you know, I lived on the country. You could do this. I was, I'd been driving so long that by the time I got my license, everybody thought I was 18. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. When I was a kid, we had dirt bikes. I grew up in Southern California, and we used to go down to Baja, California, and go riding up and down the beach and on the sand dunes and yeah. things. So, and that was when I was, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old. So it's really cool. Well, what I'd love to do now, Dennis, is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down. And you have certainly driven down a lot of roads over the last 20 years specifically, but it sounds like your career before you traveled all over the world. 
But I'd love to crawl under the hood here and ask you to share a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced in your career. But the most important part of this question has to do with how you overcame it. And the even more important part is what you learned from it. Hmm. Well, you know, I mean, I think uh, life is very challenging. And I faced a, a number of challenges throughout life. And I think each one shapes you in a, in a certain way. Mm-hmm. I would say the biggest punch I ever got was, and, and challenge I had to overcome was just, well, about four years ago was all. Um, and, and this was like, uh, uh, you know, two days before Christmas, December 23rd. Mm-hmm. And my house burned to the ground. Oh, I lost my everything. God. Oh, that's horrible. Um, but it gets worse. Oh, no. How could <laughs> um, it get? Well, yeah, I, I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. I was with my mother who died the same day. Oh, my gosh. But it gets worse. Oh, jeez. Um, so I'm at my mother's bedside at 3 in the morning. I've been awake for several days. Yeah. She slipped into a coma. I get a call on my cell phone, and the person on the other end says, uh, Dennis, your, your house is engulfed in flames, and your wife and son are unaccounted for. Oh, no. And I thought I was dreaming at the time, and, but I realized then I wasn't. Yeah. And, and I said, well, uh, I, mean, I said, okay, what can you say? You know? Yeah, well, yeah. And I, and I hung up. And uh, the phone of my brother was in the other room. He was catching a nap. I went to him and I said, look, this is what I've just been told. Mm-hmm. I've, got, I've got to go. And I'm eight hours, by the way, I'm eight hours away. Oh, my gosh. I'm 400 miles away. Yeah. And I'd been working on my mother's obituary on my laptop, and I quickly finished that and emailed it to my brother. And I'm throwing myself stuff together to leave. And suddenly I get another call. It's about 10 minutes have gone by, which seemed like an eternity. Oh, bad. And... The person says, you know, your house is just completely gone. Everything's gone. But uh, Ellen and Sam are uh, at, at, uh, at your neighbor's and they're fine. Oh, gosh, thank goodness. And, you know, and at that point, um, you know, the fact that I, in quotes, lost everything uh, just didn't matter to me at all. Right. I really lost nothing because the only thing that really mattered to me, I didn't lose. Of course, yeah. You know, and so at that point... You know, I just adopted this steely resolve. You know, my goal was to, you know, make it all right again. Mm-hmm. And so I did. I mean, my, my mom she actually passed away six hours later while I was on the road. Mm. Uh, and, you know, and, and it wasn't like I needed to, you know, thunder down the highway for 400 miles because there was nothing there, right. you know, and everybody was okay. Yeah. And my other two daughters were coming home that day, by the way. You know, so everybody, would, the family would be together, right. uh, but I just needed to get back there and start putting everything, putting life back together. And that's, right. you know, that's oh what I did. Oh, well, first and foremost, thank you for sharing such a personal story. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. What, but you, but did, I, you know, I, I've had better days. Oh, I'll bet. I've had, I've had better days. <laughs> I think so. But uh, again, the lesson learned there, what is really important. Yeah. And, Absolutely, and it, it's really changed my perspective on all sorts of things. I'll bet it has. Well, let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum, and I'd love for you to share a story with me where you had a real aha moment in your career, that time when you realized, you know what, I think this idea, this concept is really valid. It's going to make it, and tell us the steps you took to turn your aha moment into your success. Uh, well, I've, you know, again, I'm a scientist by training, and you know, I lived in the lab for a number of years, uh-huh. uh, both in undergrad and grad school, and I, I, I love challenges. 
people talk about being goal oriented. You know, I'm not. I don't really think I'm that goal oriented. I, what I am is I'm real accomplishment or achievement oriented. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. I chose my. I, I went to school out in the Pacific Northwest because I'm also a, a climber. You know, and I did all this winter mountaineering. I climbed peaks in the dead of winter and stuff. I mean, I just I love challenges, mm-hmm. and, and I love discovery. And for me, a lot of that, you know, whether it was science or whatever, uh, those things would come to me. A lot of times, if that doesn't come, if you're really pondering it, you're you're, you're not going to get it. You know, I, not, I know what you mean. It's, yeah, it's going to elude you. You know, so the best thing you can do is kind of, you know, walk away from it. I, you know, my, I to this day. We take about a forty-five minute bath every morning. I'm a bath guy, you oh, know. Wow. <laughs> and I just and I get up at I get up at like five in the morning. I lay in the you know in the tub for about forty-five minutes, and and the whole time I'm just you know my mind is just drifting, and I'm just thinking stuff. But almost all of my flashes of brilliance, whether it's you know you know science or you know television or you know music or art or anything, have come to me in those type of situations where you know I'm just I'm just sort of drifting and and. My subconscious has already been, you know, it never lets up. It's pretty relentless. Right. And, you know, so it's working away. And then, you know, that's when uh, those things will hit me. And I've had, I've had many of those. I think my biggest, you know, probably the most important one for me, uh, and it really didn't come about necessarily that way, but between my undergrad college career, after two years, I quit school because, you know, I'm this farm boy that happened to be good at science and math, and I was in there doing a triple major of chemistry, physics, and mathematics. Oh, wow. In, 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 you know, in the early 70s, in, in, in late 60s, well, in the early 70s, you know, and mm-hmm. obviously I had a great time back then, near as I can remember. Um, <laughs> you, you know, so I'm doing this mind-bending research in a really wild time and at a young point in my life, and I finally, you know, it, it hit me that I had no idea what, uh, you know, a chemist, a physicist, or a mathematician did, because, you know, my dad didn't come home from the office or the, or the laboratory and say, well, let me tell you what happened today, you know, I'm a farm boy. Right. So I quit, and I went out and I got a gig as a technician for you know, an oil company research thing, and that lasted about nine months when I realized, boy, this is not what I want to do. I don't want to be a technician, have a lid put on me. I want to be, you know, kind of calling the shots in research. I, I went back to college with a vengeance, I, you know, like on a mission, because mm-hmm. I kind of knew then what I wanted. And at that point in my life, I had this sort of epiphany where I suddenly learned how to learn. Oh. And suddenly, like I learned how to learn, and there is a... There is something to that. I mean, oh, you, yes. you have to kind of, you have to learn how to learn. And then once you do, you can learn anything. There's absolutely <laughs> no stopping you. I mean, I, you know, I still graduated in four years the last time, even taking that chunk out. I did 4.0 GPA in my last couple of years, did quantum physics research that I got American Chemical Society awards for and all that. But, you know, it was at, it was at that point, that was kind of the biggest aha moment for me was, oh, I know how to learn. So yeah. let me apply that to whatever. And I'll learn it. Wow, that's incredible, wonderful. I, I thought at first I was going to have my first Carsia guest whose aha moment came in a bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> well, plenty of them did. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's... Post that, plenty of them have. Well, <laughs> it's a great meditative process, I think. And, and meditating, however you do it, a bathtub, climbing a mountain, or walking, oh. or running down a beach, it all is great because your your mind can just be free. That's fantastic. Thank you. That's wonderful. How about proudest career moments? I'm sure you've had many. You've met so many interesting people. You've gotten to do so many interesting things. Is there one moment in time you can think of that stands out as a really proud moment in your career? Man, I've, I have done some really cool stuff. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, can't, I, yes. can't believe, 
I can't believe all the time when I look at, well, I got to do that. I can't believe that, you know. Yeah. Why did they let me, you know, do that? Why did they let me drive this or whatever? And I met great people. And I, and I love this gig. I mean, I, I've, uh, you know, my persona on TV is kind of, you know, uh, I, I am what you see is what you get. You know, this kind of Tigger-esque, uh, <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, pretty easily uh, fascinated uh, person. But there's something like in every car that I find fascinating. I, I, everybody goes, what's your favorite car? Well, I don't have one. You know, yeah. I mean, I really, there's something in every car that I find fascinating, which is perfect for the gig that I'm in. Sure. You know, I, I, there is something there. If, I'm still looking for it in the Yugo, by the way. I haven't <laughs> found it. But it, it must be there. Um, somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. So I really am. I'm just, a, I'm just a guy, the luckiest guy in the world. I got the, you know, the, the ultimate job to, for any car guy. I've got it. Yes. And I've gotten to do cool things. I meet great people. I love the people I meet. I love learning. And, I, and, and uh, people always talk about, gee, you know, you just you know so much about cars. Yeah. And I, and I do. I do. But that's because I've got this uncanny memory. I, I know almost anything I've ever been told. And so I've learned, uh, all that I know, I've just learned from people that know more than me. Nobody knows more about that particular car than the guy that owns it. Right. You know, so that's who I learned from. And that's from my vast storehouse of knowledge comes from and then it's just you know then i just i got this incredible memory and my head is just full of useless crap you can't believe it <laughs> i'm probably the proudest you know you're saying because you know and all that stuff's cool and you know i've won a lot of awards for this or for that and all and i'm honored by those things but if you want to talk about kind of the proudest thing or the thing that i'm the most better put the thing that i'm most proud of yes was you mentioned the tripping on two wheels series and that that's something that i just feel really really good about because it was it's it's great television but it, that was when I, you know, I rode, it was motorcycle touring, a lot of it in Europe. I rode with my son, who started out at 15, rode two up with me, and then he rode his own bike, and all the rest of them, Sicily and Spain and, you know, Switzerland and Italy, and then, you know, we, just last summer we did Nova Scotia, and we, you know, so we're still doing it. We've been doing this thing, you know, sporadically for 10 years. They're beautiful pieces. I get to ride with my son. It's all kind of philosophical about, you know, what's, again, kind of what's important in life. And that series... Uh, to this day, it's had more impact on viewers than anything I've ever done. People talk about it, and the thing they always reference, you know, it's beautiful, and, and the other guy that writes with this is Britt Neil Bailey, a yeah. professional uh-huh. photojournalist, motorcycle photojournalist, and, a, and a, you know, expert writer, and he's very funny. But they always bring up it's the father-son component. You know, they just yes. love the father-son component. Because, yes. I mean, I, I got to do stuff with my son that is just magical, and everybody goes, oh, man the memories he's going to have. Yes. And I go, yeah, and it comes with special effects and a soundtrack. <laughs> you know, cause and it's recorded. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. Yeah. So that is really the, of all the stuff I've done, and I've done, you know, we're going on 400 episodes of My Classic Car, which I'm also very proud of. I, mean, I would think one so. One of the greatest comments, you know, is that, wow, you're one of the few car shows that's still about cars. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I'm really the most proud in all my, in all my career of, of the creation of the, uh, Tripping on two-wheel series. Oh, that's fantastic. It is, it is great, and what special memories you're building, man. You're very fortunate. Yeah. A lot of hard work, but very fortunate. Let's have a little bit of fun here. I assume you've had a lot of cars in your life, but could you tell us about the first really special car and perhaps share a memory you had with that vehicle? Well, you know, I, I did have, like I said, about the first car at uh, age 15. It was a 59 T-Bird, which I paid 100 bucks for. Oh, my gosh. bought it at dusk, and, and I learned a lot from that car. Mainly, I learned never buy a car at dusk. Ah, uh, yes, I've heard that. Uh, Twilight. <laughs> yeah, well, because it turned out it was pink. I didn't really realize that. Um, 
Oh, and my it was gosh. A 59 color. Yeah, so it's called Flamingo. But yes. it was a white pink. And I'm yeah. like, oh, my God, what have I done? I'm 15. I own a pink car. Yeah. But, you know, I did that. And then I went to a Mach 1 and a, and a, and a GTO convertible. And then I did my first foreign car, which is an Opel GT. But to me, I think the first thing it was, and, and all those are cool cars. You know, yeah, Mustang Mach 1, man, GTO convertible. Wow, sure. But when I got rid of the GT, the Opel GT, and I got a, uh, my first Jag, I got a type Jag. Ooh. And that was just, I mean, that was a whole different ball game. Yeah. You know, I mean that to this day. I mean, they're just they're just magnificent cars, you know, yes. and uh, just really interesting. And and, uh, and so that and I've had a lot of cars since then, and a lot of cool cool stuff. Still have a lot of stuff. I have too much stuff, frankly. <laughs> what year was that XKE? Uh, '69. It was '69, and I'm a coupe guy, not really a roadster. I'm a coupe guy. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so it's a '69 coupe, and nice. man. I, that thing was pretty darn special. Well, my first Matchbox car was a Matchbox by Lesney. It was a red XKE my dad bought me at the hardware store. I think I was six years old, five years old. I still have it, and that was the start for me. Those XKEs are Yeah, and I, I had my first slot car set was a, a one, what was the bigger one? So 132nd. Oh, uh-huh. Not, not the big ones, not the, not the 124, but, you know, they went to the HO. And, and this was, you know, maybe 65 or so. And it was a little, you know... Figure eight tracks, but it was a, a red E type coupe and a yeah. blue E type coupe. Yeah, you know? I remember that set. Yep, yep. I think we're somewhat from the same generation here, so fantastic. Yeah. Uh, How about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle that you've had in your garage that you let go that you really wish you could have back? Well, I, you know, that's kind of a that's kind of an interesting question because I would answer that depending on would I want it back just like I sold it. Most of them, no. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you sold them right. It, can, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, if I can have it back in, as my memory of it is or as new, right. you know, I mean, God, I, I would love to have that E-Type back. And probably the other one that's in that category, if I had a 63 Studebaker GT Hawk, I, I think those are really, really interesting cars. Yeah. But in all cases, you know, like really, my, I don't have any museum pieces. I never have. I have, I have a lot of 20-footers. You know, uh-huh. 20 feet away, they look pretty good. It <laughs> looks really um, great. Yeah, and, and you know, because I, I drive my stuff, I don't want a museum piece and all that. And in fact, what I typically do, and, and I and I wrench enough to keep things going and all that, but I'm not a body man. I, I, I don't have the talent. And, you know, so typically I'll have a car and I'll, I'll play with it until, and, and you know, in all cases, the E-Type or the or the that GT Hawk, it just got to the point where it needed more than I wanted to do with it, you know. I mean, sure. I, I, the amount of investment I would have had to put in to do it right, and so you're going to keep patching it together. Well, no, you're going to dump it. Money. You're either going to do it right, or you're not going to do it. And if you do it right, you're talking about holy crap, it's a lot of money. Well, yeah, you know. So, I'll, you know, I'll go find something else that's in good enough shape to play with and have fun with for a while. So, really, would I want that E-Type back? No, because it had issues. But <laughs> I want to, would I want the GT Hawk back? No, because it had issues. Would yeah. I like a, a perfect E-Type and a perfect GT Hawk? You betcha. There you go. So, there's really was nothing that I let go of that was so good that I was like, oh, I was a fool. It was really, I had that moment in time, yeah. and it was good. And now it's, let's have another one. Ah, oh, perfect, perfect. How about current projects? Is there something you're working on right now that really has you excited and fired up? We did shoot, uh, we had a five-year hiatus in the Tripping on Two Wheels series, and, and we did, I was able to put something together, and we rode Nova Scotia last summer on, on uh, the new BMW K1600 GTL, just this unbelievable oh, machine. Yes. We had three of those, and Nova Scotia, my goodness, is, is magnificent. Beautiful. Everyone should go there. So that was fun, and, and, and that may that may lead to, doing another one of those, uh, trying to put something together to do Alberta and ride up through Banff and Lake Louise and the oh, Athabasca. Yeah. 
Glacier and the Columbia Ice Fields, and so we may try and do that. That's that's kind of exciting. I'd like to do that. Uh, we're you know we're always creating new shows. We've got to you know attempting to create new shows, but we've got uh, a concept we're working now and just about to start to pitch that I'm pretty excited about. I think that's uh, I can't you know if I told you I'd have to kill you. Okay, well so, then don't tell me, please. <laughs> <laughs> but that's pretty cool, you know. And then you know, and then there's always just the you know I'm trying to get this running or keep that running, you know, more in the personal life, but yeah. Uh, yeah. But those are the projects that I'm probably most excited about right now, and 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 not the least of which is that the 20th season of my classic. Uh, we yeah. will begin shooting the 20th season here in a month or so. Well, congratulations! I think uh, we when we talked the other day, you said if you go another year here, you're going to beat Gunsmoke as the longest running yes, TV I series. We're going to tie Gunsmoke this year, and we will, uh, you know, we will. Go longer than Gunsmoke here. Wow. If I keep Start calling you Matt Dillon. That's pretty That's cool. Right. Mr. Mr. Dillon. Mr. Dillon, yeah. <laughs> now, here's a really interesting question. I always love asking this because it's a little, well, it's a lot introspective on how you feel about yourself. If Dennis Gage was a car, what kind of car would he be and why? Uh, I would, hmm. Uh, what kind of car? Well, kind of car category, you know, I'm. I, I'm probably a sports car, but but I think I'm specifically I'd probably be like a I'd be a Marcos. A Marcos? And now that's most, unique. Yeah. Well, there you go, and that's why you know, <laughs> most people are like, "Huh? What's a Marcos?" But I, I, I that car, I have a kind of a, like a, a, a weird history with that car, but but I think they're really interesting. I think they're I think they're pretty unique. They're not bad looking, and it does a lot with what it's got. So right. I think that that sort of sums up me. <laughs> you know? I'm really interesting. I'm pretty unique. Yes, I'm, I'm you are. And, 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 and I can do a lot with what I got. <laughs> I, I'm trying to imagine that Marcos with a big handlebar mustache on the nose. Mustache. Yeah, that's I, right. I, I think it might work. You know, I think it might, they got that long, beautiful <laughs> front end. Work. Yeah, those are, those are gorgeous cars. Very interesting. We're about to enter the last lap. But before we do, here's a word from our sponsor and Cars Yacht guest, Dwight Knowlton. Carpe Viem, seize the road. It's the motto at CarpeGear.com, where you'll find The Little Red Racing Car, an award-winning book written and illustrated by passionate car guy Dwight Knowlton. It's a spectacular way to introduce children to the love of cars. It's an inspirational award winner, and Yahoo Autos calls it the best kids' car book ever. Plus, it's printed in the USA. I may be an adult, but this kid loves The Little Red Racing Car. Dwight is finishing a second book in collaboration with Sir Sterling Moss about the story of his record-breaking win of the 1955 Mille Miglia. Check out Dwight's Carpe Viem brand where you can find his book, shirts, and more that embrace his seize-the-road philosophy. Enjoy Carpe Viem at CarpeGear.com and be sure to sign up for his newsletter while you're there. That's CarpeGear.com, C-A-R-P-E-Gear.com. All right, Dennis, we're up to the last lap, and this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? I would say it is you can always buy, but you can't always sell. <laughs> Perfect. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success? Well, I think I have a generally positive outlook on life. I think that's very important, and I'm and I'm pretty doggone tenacious. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, I'm achievement oriented and kind of accomplishment oriented. But, 
So I think, you know, positive outlook and, and tenacity will take you a long way. Yep, great combination. Do you have a resource, and I realize there are a lot of them out there, but is there one you can share with the Cars Yow listeners that you're really fond of? Either a, a website, maybe it's a blog that you get? Well, you know, actually, you know, in terms of a resource to the hobby and restoration side of things, you know, we, we work a lot with National Parts Depot, and those guys, Oh yeah, they make stuff for just almost, doesn't matter what you're restoring or working on, they're going to have a, you know, that line. They're true car guys. They've got a magnificent collection of low-mileage, original, unrestored cars. It's just, you know, they're really knowledgeable with a lot, a lot of stuff. So, I mean, I view, I view them as a resource. Oh, yeah, they're a great resource. Uh, absolutely, that's a great one. How about a book? You've probably read many books, but is there one in particular you think the Cars Yeah listeners should get their hands on? I would say just kind of for fun, though. Is, uh, I, I really like, Leno is a good friend of mine. You know, we've been doing stuff together for nearly 20 years, yeah. and he's been great to me. I mean, you know, I'm just like, who am I, you know? <laughs> but we've become good friends, and he's, again, he's just been, been a great friend of the show and to me. You know, his first book, which is called Leading With My Chin. I have that book. It's an easy read. It's a fun read. And, and, I, and I know, you know, I've come to know Jay personally pretty well. And it's a really great insight. Into, it really is him. Yes. And it's, 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 it's funny. It's all in little vignettes. But it kind of tells his life story uh-huh. in a humorous way and it's association with cars. I just think it's a fun book. I, I really like it. Yeah, I bought that book years ago. And I've read it a couple times since then. And I'd love to get him as a guest here on Cars Yeah as well. But I think it is representative. I've met him at many car shows. He always is such a genuine person. He takes time to say hello, and he's he's just getting inundated yeah. from everybody. Yeah, but he's, he is a, a bit of a role model for me in that respect. Oh, I mean, gosh. He, you know, he really is incredibly gracious. I've never seen him turn down an autograph or yes. picture. And he is a, the, the most knowledgeable car guy I know, period. He has got, he's ADHD. I mean, really, he is. <laughs> and and he's got this almost savant-like knowledge of cars. It's kind of weird, almost. Yeah, he's an amazing but, person. Well, that's a but great he's a real deal. Yeah, I think so. He's a great person. Well, I'll remind our listeners: you can find these great resources at carsyad.com/slash Dennis Gage. All right, Dennis, we're up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a real doozy for a car guy like you. If you could only have one collector car in your garage. But money's no object. I'm going to buy you whatever you'd like today. But you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other cars with. So that trick's off the table. What would that vehicle be and why? You know, there's so much out there. And, and uh, you know, it's all these fabulous, you know, classics, the, you know, the, the true classics of the 30s and stuff like that. But but I, I really, you know, I mean, I want something that, that would, uh, I still use it, <laughs> you know, drive the thing. Uh-huh. And I want something that has... You know, at least pseudo-modern performance, so even though I truly appreciate cars of the 30s, they're a handful to drive, oh, yeah. you know? I mean, really. And again, I kind of like sports cars, and I like things that, that go fast to a certain extent, but grand touring cars, I mean, I think it'd probably come down to something like, and again, something kind of weird. It, you know, people would probably fault me for going with, you know, almost lowballing it, but I'd go with something like a Bizzarini Strata, you know, so, you know so, which, is an, which is a cool car. I mean, it's an exotic Italian, yeah. but powered by a, you know, big Mopar V8, and yeah, there's stuff, you know, Ferraris and all this, but I think Bizzarini is, you know, I like, I, I like being a little different. The Bizzarini, and I don't know, maybe people disagree with me, but it has... Some of those Marcos looks about it, kind of squatted it down. Was, uh, it's a Marcos on steroids. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, if you really look at it, it, it is. And uh, if money was no object in, in building a Marcos, it would have been a bit for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to spend a whole day at a photo shoot with, with one of those vehicles, uh, Bitsarini, and oh, just they're beautiful cars. I, I learned 
a whole new appreciation as I stood there and, and looked at every angle and corner. So great. Oh, yeah. Gorgeous, great know? choice. Great choice. I love that. Dennis, you've taken me on a great ride today, and I knew you would, and I've so enjoyed your stories. I can't thank you enough for being a guest here on Cars Yeah. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that Bitserini? <laughs> well, if it's, if it's really car-oriented, you know, there's the, like I said before, you can always buy what you can't always sell. Here's the other one. Always buy the, the best restored car you can afford mm-hmm. and let somebody else take the 50 cent on a dollar hit. Yes. That they'll inevitably take. Yes. <laughs> don't, don't buy a fixer-upper. Just suck up money. So, you know, buy the best restored car and, and use it. Have fun. I mean, my God. Yes, know. absolutely. Great, great advice from the master. So, and you've talked to so many people. So, comes with a lot of experience, I think. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about what you're doing these days? Well, you know, I mean, uh, we've got airtimes and stuff on, on uh, our website, which is, of course, MikeDoctorCar.com. You know, we are on Velocity and we're on MAV, and we're actually also on a new network that's coming out over the airways, but it's called Revan. If you can't get those things, Steve is a little bit a little bit bigger distribution. You can watch uh, new episodes. You can watch all the episodes uh, full length for free online. So awesome. you, know, you can just go to myclassicar.com, go to YouTube. They run on YouTube also. Awesome. And uh, get your MyClassicar fix. There you go. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to everything Dennis has shared with us today. CarsYeah.com slash Dennis Gage. Dennis, thanks for being my 200th guest here on Cars Yeah. It was so exciting to have you here. Thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing all of the experiences you've had with vehicles and vehicle owners. It's been fantastic. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. No, Mark, it's been, you know, it's, it's been an honor. It's been an honor to be with you on this cast. Thanks for having me, man. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!